You're listening to Hometown, a podcast by Episcopal Migration Ministries, the Refugee Resettlement and Migration Ministry of the Episcopal Church. Here on Hometown, we seek to build a community of welcome by sharing interviews, stories, and actions that you can take to advocate for our newest neighbors. Thank you for being with us. Hi, I'm Stephanie Whitehouse, the program assistant for EMM's new Neighbor to Neighbor program. This episode of Hometown, recorded on International Women's Day, features some special guests from Interfaith Ministries for Greater Houston, who speak about their Women Refugee Art Program, also known as RAP, and the Women's Empowerment Group. We spoke with Narelle Sissons, a visual artist, theater designer, professor, and art instructor who teaches and empowers the women of RAP to use art concepts to express themselves and tell their stories. We also spoke with Chloe Crane, a former TV producer for Associated Press, Al Jazeera, and BBC, who is now the Interfaith Ministries Women's Empowerment Liaison and leader of the Women's Empowerment Group. Last but not least, we spoke with Sukri Woodley, the Director of Marketing and Communications at Interfaith Ministries for Greater Houston. We explore the complex and often traumatic journeys of rebuilding one's life in a new place and how creating safe places and brave spaces for expression and education are crucial liberational opportunities for women refugees, asylees, and parolees as they go through often lengthy, strenuous resettlement processes. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to speak with you all, Sukri, Chloe, and Professor Norell, about RAP, that's W-R-A-P, which stands for the Women Refugee Art Program, as well as the Refugee Services Women's Empowerment Group, with a specific focus on our women Afghan neighbors. Unfortunately, Sukaina couldn't join us today, but I know you all will be able to speak to her amazing dedication and contribution to this program. So I think it's very timely we're talking about this because it's at the time of recording, it is currently International Women's Day. So I'd love to start with RAP. And I believe the last time I saw, pardon the pun, this program was wrapping up with virtual sessions this past April. So can you speak to a bit about how this program was formed and how it works? Sure, I can answer that question. Well, thanks again for this opportunity to, to talk about our program and the work we do. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting name, the Women's Refugee Art Program, because the, the program started in 2020. Um, and that was prior to the recent Afghan crisis and the U.S. withdrawal. So that means initially most of the people that were in the program or most of the women in the program were refugees. Um, but after the situation um, occurred in September or end of August last year, we saw a whole load of people coming over from Afghanistan who are technically not refugees. They're, they have this status called uh, humanitarian parole. So they're parolees. Um, and that is different from a refugee status. It's sort of um, what what's used when when a whole load of people need to get moved out quickly from a country. They can be moved and given this humanitarian parole status, um, and that's significant because they have different access to benefits, and also they need to adjust their immigration status within. Uh, one to two years of arriving in the US. Um, so 
a lot of the, 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 the women in this program are refugees and they're from Iraq, Syria, the Congo, but we have a lot of Afghans who are technically not refugees, even though they're in the Women's Refugee Art Programme. So, um, so I run the Women's Empowerment Group Programme, um, but the RAP Programme, the Women's Refugee Art Programme, is actually run by um, a volunteer, um, Sukena Makzumi, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today, um, has just done an absolutely amazing job of starting this programme organizing it and she's been the force behind the program she's an albert schweitzer fellow um and just the whole process from beginning to end has been an inspiration um to see the difference her action can can make on on the lives of the women that have been uh learning and growing through the program yeah um i would add that um you know, I'm so thankful for Sukena reaching out to me to be part of this amazing program. We, you know, every week um, she's just so generous um, with the, the women and with me, um, always very enthusiastic. And uh, even at the end of a long day of work, I think she's, you know, she comes to the to the class with inspiration and enthusiasm. Um, so I, I'm, I feel very lucky to have, have been asked to be part of this and to be working with Sukena. She's an extraordinary volunteer and, you know, this program is an abs- the absolute credit to her. Um, so how did RAP come about, you know, and how does it relate to resettlement? So before coming to the United States, refugees have often experienced traumatic life-threatening events. War, violence or significant persecution have caused them to leave everything that they know and love. And for women, the adjustment to a new country can be especially difficult. Refugee women in particular are vulnerable to isolation loneliness and depression and all the social ills that can come with that and in families with kids if mom's not doing well that impacts the children and the whole family um i'll just talk a little bit about some of the reasons why refugee women may not be thriving because it's relevant to why rap needs to exist um i'm not going to list all of them today but i'm just going to give you an idea um Refugee women may have small children that they're caring for at home all alone. Maybe their husband or older sons and daughters are working double shifts and they never see them. Perhaps they just lack the cultural confidence to get out and explore the city and opportunities here. They often don't have the language skills. And with many of the the women that we serve, we see that they're grieving for those that they've lost or that they've left behind. And they're worried about family members that are still at risk from uh, back home. Maybe they're suffering from PTSD. I could keep on going on. There are many reasons why refugee women might not be thriving here. And to help with that transition to life in the US, Interfaith Ministries created the Women Empowerment Group Programme. And it's designed to prevent isolation, 
to build community, you know, to help the women rebuild that big spiderweb network of community that they lost when they fled their home country, and also to equip them with information or skills that they need to thrive in their new lives. And RAP, the Women's Refugee Art Programme, is part of that support work. It's helping prevent isolation and it's cultivating emotional resilience through creative expression. Um, the programme encourages participants to express feelings and to share stories and things from their past and their previous homes, as well as their daily struggles. And it gives them a voice through art to talk about things that they may be unable to discuss with words alone. Um, it was really important for us that RAP could be easily accessible to the women we serve. So weekly workshops are held virtually by Zoom. And it's just been wonderful to see the self-esteem of the women increase as they build on their art skills and expand their social groups. So you mentioned that a lot of this RAP was born out of support services. So another amazing program you have going on is the Refugee Services Women's Empowerment Group that feeds into RAP. How did that program get started and what does that look like? The, the Women's Empowerment Group program um, exists for the same reason that RAP does. We saw that refugee women were not thriving. So we set up a program to help them rebuild community and to get the information and skills that they need to thrive here. Um, we have three groups currently, one's for Arabic speakers and the other two are for Afghan women. Um, and one is called the Afghan Women's Welcome Group. That's specifically for new arrivals. And the other group is for Afghan women who've been here for a little bit longer, slightly more adjusted to life here. Um, and what we do is we bring the women together each week and we have speakers who present in their own languages to the women about everything from cottage food industry laws, what can you legally make and sell here, to breast cancer awareness, you know, what is a mammogram? If you've never experienced a mammogram, what is that like? Um, to um, uh, social media and how that makes you feel about yourself. Um, so we cover everything and we take a sort of magazine style approach to our groups in the sense that the, the information is not overwhelming and it's interesting. You know, ultimately we're all women together and we want to be interested in what we're learning about. But Afghan women have some additional challenges um, and uh, the literacy rate in Afghanistan is currently sitting at around 30 percent. So that means that about 70% of the women that we see cannot read or write in their own language. Um, and, uh, you know, if you or I want to look up anything, we'll just look it up online. You know, our child's got fever. You know, what time does the supermarket open? All of that information is available at our fingertips. If you cannot read or write and you don't speak English, your only access to that information is usually through your husband, you're through your partner. So you better hope that you have a really good relationship and that he's going to be very empathetic to your needs. Um, so our women's group has a really important role in information sharing for our Afghan community um, to make sure that they, they have the information they need. And we, for example, a very sort of simple, empowering thing that you can do when you're communicating with people who cannot read or write is you make sure that all of your messages are also voice recorded um, because 
in WhatsApp, for example, if you just translate something, many of the women have to wait to ask somebody what it says, which is deeply unempowering. So we make sure that we share a lot of our information as voice recordings to keep the women up to date. And then we have social events. We meet uh, museums, get together, get everybody out of their house and experiencing some of the amazing things our, our city has to offer. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, Narelle, you are the, the the teacher, so you bring the art lessons to this phenomenal group of women. And um, that is a very physical thing. And we're very cognizant of the hurdles and shifts that have come as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So how did this affect the RAP cohort and the women's empowerment groups? And what was it like to bring a very physical, tangible approach to healing and bearing witness online virtually? Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me to this. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm amazed every week, honestly, with working with the women. Um, at, we see um, an incredible amount of of commitment to the projects, the art projects. Um, let me maybe I should describe what we've been doing a little bit, just to give us some context. What where we started originally was. Um, uh, week-long projects. So everybody um, was given a brief at the beginning on the first day. Um, usually what I do is um, also give, just to make it more accessible for everybody, is to give examples of the thing, the things that we're working on and also integrate a little bit of art history into each project. So they might see, you know, examples of work from... Um, artists, you know, classical European artists, but also African American artists. We found some amazing work um, by some, um, uh, you know, Middle Eastern artists. That you know, we put all of that together so that they're seeing the whole scope of, of, of you know, the the history of that particular project that we're working on, and. Um, and then you know everybody actually on the during the Zoom class starts to paint, starts to work, and sometimes I demonstrate some some of the the ways of working with you know the paint and so on. But I actually have focused much more on the way that they would like to work rather than showing them you know how to you know there's lots of video there's lots of videos online of you know how to paint things. But this way, um, you know, it's really tailored to the individual. So, you know, we will each week they'll tackle a project and then the following week um, they'll have time to work on it after class. And then we um, share them the following week. So that's in the beginning of the the next week. So we might be working on, um, for instance, at one point everybody made self-portraits and, um, you know, that was it was really wonderful to see the way that. all of the women portrayed themselves. And uh, part of the conversation was, you know, how do you see yourself in this and painting and, and possibly how do you imagine the outside world sees you? So, you know, we had like deeper conversations about, um, you know, the act of making a, a, a portrait, um, you know, and so, through those but through all of those projects um i've also introduced different skills so we've done some color theory and we've been working with um composition um and uh you know again looking at different artists so there's some context for the work 
So, um, so overall, I would say that um, the exciting thing for me is to see this sense of community of everybody coming together every week, but also having a common goal, which is to you know express the you know in through painting. Um, their ideas of, you know, a portrait or we've also been working on with composition still life. We even had a moment, um, I think, last year where we did some abstract work. We were developing from uh, different objects and then, you know, putting together, making composition, collaging together um, images and making work in that way. So, you know, we've really done a lot of different um, types of pieces and it's so exciting to see not only are they interacting with um, Sukena and I, but they're also interacting with each other. And, you know, this sense of um, encouraging each other in their art projects is really, really, you know, front and centre in, in, in what we see every week. And also, um, you know, sometimes people feel nervous to share and <laughs> that's that you know of course if they don't want to share we've said you know don't have to share but slowly interestingly as time's gone by the the people the the women who were maybe shy or didn't really want to um you know because it's a very vulnerable experience sharing your work um didn't want to to necessarily you know engage in that right at the very beginning but then week by week, slowly became more and more confident that this is a group where sharing is going to be supported and um, that feedback from everybody, from the teacher, from myself, from Sukena and from each other will actually help them in their, you know, in their art endeavor. So that's been really fantastic to see is that breaking down of 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 boundaries and feeling confident to share with each other um and then i think one of the other things that's exciting to see too is um just some progress you know the progress in in the work um slowly bringing some of these you know skills that we've been learning in one example like you know composition into maybe um you know, a painting where they're dealing with something that's more abstract. And this sort of grasping, you know, it takes a long time to learn, you know, to, to paint and to draw. And it's it's exciting just to see those things now from previous classes and now sort of trickling into the more current work that they're doing. So, you know, there's a personal satisfaction for me as a teacher to see that. But I also think that they're recognizing that in their work, too. Um, so I wanted to ask each of you, how did you, how did you come across this work? How, what called you um, to these specific um, roles with you, Narelle, being an instructor and you, Chloe, uh, how did you all get involved? Um, in my case, I, uh, Tukena actually approached me and asked me if I would come and um, take part in the, in the program. And um that was probably, yes, like a year and a half ago at least, nearly coming up for, it was a summer, two summers ago. Um, and actually, it's an interesting story because originally this was going to be a 10-week class for me. 
to teach for 10 weeks. And then, you know, it became obvious as things were moving along that, that we should continue this. Um, everybody was getting so much out of it. So we um, extended it and then, and then we extended again. And then <laughs> we just decided, okay, let's, let's just do this. Um, so we came up with a, 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 a sort of loosely organized curriculum for this year. So we've, we're now half, more than halfway through this session. Um, and um, I would, you know, I would say that uh, I would love to see this program continue. Um, you know, I am excited whenever there's a new person that joins the group. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I have a background in theatre as well, so in art and in theatre. And um, I'm a storyteller. I love hearing other people's stories. I love um, expressing those in, in art. So um, that's really how we are thinking about this and how, you know, we, we have been working up until now and will continue along. So um, yes, that was how I, that's how I came here. Thanks for asking that question. I'm always interested uh, how people get to the roles they have in their lives, um, the things that, that lead them to where they're at. Um, so, so prior to my current role, I was a TV producer for about 10 years um, based in the Middle East. Um, and during that time, I, uh, I saw firsthand um, that some of the plight that causes refugees. Um, and as a journalist, uh, you, you often feel quite helpless because you might be reporting on the news, um, but you are not helping people who have a very clear need right in front of your face. So when I moved to Houston, um, about eight years ago, um, I saw my opportunity to start giving back to the communities that I had covered as a journalist. And I started volunteering initially with some of the refugee agencies in Houston. And that's how I saw this massive need for a women's group to start supporting the women as they transition to, to their lives, um, to their new lives in the U.S., and that's that's how I got it, got into it initially. So RAP and the Empowerment Group are both uh, programs of Interfaith Ministries for Greater Houston. Um, and like RAP and the Empowerment Group, EMM's newest program, Neighbor to Neighbor, which is in its early stages, works to welcome our new neighbors through community support and also in an ecumenical effort seeks to empower communities, especially communities who have not yet engaged with this work, to be spaces of radical welcome, support, and community sponsorship. So part of this program includes training that is very focused on helping folks who wish to engage with this work. Um, this program helps to help folks understand the mental, physical, and spiritual impacts and trauma that is associated with being a refugee or asylee in the United States. So you spoke a bit about um, these women finally feeling free to open up and and blossoming in this way. So how does RAP positively impact its participants from a place of affirmation and bearing witness and through their art? I think that's really at the center of what uh, Sukaina and I are doing um, is, to, is to be um, very present 
even though we're online, it's an online class, um, is to be very present in the conversation um, with with the women. Um, often in a project, um, say we might be doing a project where we're focusing on memory and um, one of the women talks about the memory of her village where she grew up. And I think that... Um, you know, in an instance like that, it's important to spend a lot of time listening and um, and also um, I would al- I would also say that um, encouraging that conversation because that's a shared it's a shared um, uh, situation amongst the women that they've come from somewhere else and that they might have you know, memories, or they might have, um, sometimes we will do a project where we're painting from, um, you know, from our imagination, and often things that, you know, come from memory will end up in, in, in a painting. Um, The other thing I think that, that reoccurs, and is a really vital part of what, of what we're doing, um, and, you know, it's part of the sharing I think that the women want to do is is to include family members in their art. So we often have um, children, um, partners, um, siblings, um, sense of we also look at like not only memory but also where they are now. So we might look at um, uh, we did one project where they painted, they, they created a painting um, of, this was in, I think it was early on in COVID when people were much more indoors and everyone created a, an interior painting. And then as they created that space, then, you know, I offered them the opportunity to put a family member into that painting. So they might, they did that. And then, um, uh, you know, is is do they have a favorite object that's precious to them that they want to put in? So there was a sort of flexibility and an openness to what they could bring into that painting, but um, there was also a structure around it so that everybody could respond and decide what you know what what was best in their painting. And I think some of the there's some really exciting work that happened in that particular project. Um, you know, we also um, did a uh, there was a there was a project at one point where um, they the women um, could use like a window in their I think maybe you know in their home in an apartment or um, looking out at their environment and painting what they saw and putting that together um, that also I think. Was, and then they also put themselves in into the painting too. So sometimes we saw the profile or the back of the head or um, or a child stat, you know, looking through the window. So there was some really, I think, some some really lovely work that was developed um, through just you know giving giving suggested brief, like giving a brief and then offering suggestions of how they might you know develop the painting. Um, but recently, of course, because everybody's, um, becoming very sophisticated in their work, they want to know, 
how to deal with perspective. So we did a whole session where we were really focused on, you know, how to how to work out, you know, um, linear perspective, one point perspective, and that that actually one of the one of the women said, this is the thing that I've been struggling with. <laughs> this is what I want to understand. So that was rather nice. So we kind of I'm trying to lace through some skills into the. Uh, you know, into these projects that I feel are quite meaningful to everybody so that we're not really focused as much on skills, but we need them sometimes in order to um, develop this work that is more narrative. So how does RAP's mission and also the Women's Empowerment Program intersect with the whole of the mission of interfaith ministries for Greater Houston? So what are these programs teaching us about how we should be lifting up the experiences of refugees and asylum seekers in the U.S.? So much of the work that we do across all of our pillar programs at Interfaith Ministries for Greater Houston is really in order to create uh, a much better and more collaborative and more understanding community for everyone. Our goal is to foster dialogue, collaboration, and service, and also to foster a, a, an environment of respect in the community. So respect is something, you hear that word um, throughout all of the pillar programs at Interfaith Ministries. Refugee Services is our second largest program and uh, it is uh, an extremely high touch type of program based on all of the things that you all have talked about today. I mean, we are dealing with people uh, in crisis, in transition, that have experienced trauma, that are new in a foreign land. This is now their new homeland. And coming to Houston so often, their representative from our team is the first person that the first Houstonian that they meet. And so from the very beginnings of their arrival, when our clients arrive here in Houston, to the time that we see them work their way through being fully uh, self-sufficient and kind of up on their feet and employed and they have their documentation and they are making their way through those schools and the, their jobs and all of that. Uh, we're there with them that whole time. And I think what Chloe and Narelle have said so far with uh, the Women's Empowerment Group that Chloe runs and the RAP group that Narelle runs along with Sukena, uh, that really ex accentuates the fact that we know it's, it's not just transactional. We have to work with people and meet them where they are and then help them adjust to the nuances of uh, starting a new life in a foreign land. This is their foreign land that now becomes their new homeland. And there's so much work involved with it. There's so much courage and bravery involved with this. And our clients are absolutely amazing people. 
They are so strong and so resilient. They're also very hopeful and they pour a lot of themselves and their heart and everything into getting adjusted and getting settled here in Houston. And so programs like the Women's Empowerment Group uh, were founded, like Chloe said, by volunteers, by Chloe, who was a volunteer at that time. And and even RAP, who uh, is managed by volunteers. And But we know that by providing women, especially women in the household, uh, an outlet for creative expression, for coming together with other women that are in very similar situations with them, this strengthens them and this helps them find their voice. It also gives them a sense of community immediately because they know they're not alone. So no matter if we are meeting face-to-face as we did all the time before the pandemic, or if we are meeting virtually as we're doing now with the RAP program, or even in a hybrid capacity, which now Women's Empowerment Group is beginning to to experience, you know, hybrid meetings now, some online and some in person. Um, The women have something that is just for them to look forward to and to be a part of. Yes, I would say that any anyone who is engaged with this work can testify that it is a huge community building exercise. Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of isolation right now in the world and coming together is a huge bridging of experiences. Um, Sometimes the experiences are very different from one another. Um, So I want to ask each of you, um, what has been something you've been inspired by or challenged by um, as you work within these programs and you bridge experiences among all these people? I'll just answer that one first, and then I'll be quiet after that. I have been absolutely moved to tears even by the resiliency of the women in our program. So often, uh, and maybe this is culturally motivated, they're quiet. We don't often hear them, even though we see them in our presence. I've been standing in a house Uh, in a new apartment with a family of five children and the wife and the husband. And the husband is the one doing the orientation and looking through all the the microwaves and the refrigerator, the cabinets, things like that. And the wife is kind of quiet. Uh, Within the Women's Empowerment Group program, I have uh, been able to hear from the women, see the women. I've watched them blossom Some have gone on, got their driver's licenses. They've started, purchased cars, um, started new jobs, uh, gone back to school or started school, pursuing their education. And it it is really um, just very humbling to me to partner with these ladies and to see them uh, really owning their lives and really just taking charge of uh, their environment and and protecting their mental health space too. And so that's something they're so strong and so resilient and I learn from them and grow from them and, and um, I just appreciate, um, I, I just want to show them appreciation for being strong. 
just gonna jump in and say you know like the when there's a lot said about resilience and um within the refugee community because it is so difficult you can talk about sort of the daily resilience to get through each day particularly at the beginning when things are very tough and then you can talk about sort of somebody who's resilient long term um so i think one of the important things of programs like rap and a women's empowerment group is to help refugee women with that daily resilience that they need to get through each day initially when it is so difficult at the beginning also want to add when you're working with uh, refugee communities and with refugee women in particular generalizations can be useful but it's really important for everybody to get to know the people that are your neighbors get to know the people that you that, that you are working with or volunteering with because every family is completely different every woman is completely different and um, their needs and their confidences and their experiences are different so you really have to get to know the people that you are working with and again a program like rap allows the women uh, the freedom of expression to be themselves in a safe space and certain sort of social constraints will not allow all of the women to to be themselves at all points in the same way that we have you know in our own cultures okay and i'll i'll hop in here on this topic um i think that i think that one of the things that um we when there's a new member in the rap group um make sure to do is ask them about their experience painting and um you know have they done much drawing or painting before so that as a teacher i can um help them sometimes it's just a matter of helping them get get started um picking up the paintbrush for the first time um you know using a using a, a pencil on piece of paper just to kind of jot down some beginning ideas I think that 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 often is sort of the beginning that often is the the first hurdle um but once once um everybody's leaning into making art I think and I'm just thinking of a couple of the women who have just produced an enormous amount of work there's a sort of unstoppable quality to their work of perhaps finding something that they really love to do and they spend a lot of time on it. Um, you know, I think that is, uh, you know, it's like we see the gamut of, of getting started and then really producing weekly a lot of, a lot of pieces. Um, one of the challenges I know that some of the women faces are, are, you know, having kids at home and having that space to work. And what we've done is instead of seeing, you know, when a child comes into the room and needs, you know, mum's attention, instead of seeing that as an interruption, actually we've engaged, sometimes engaged the children and asked them, you know, whether they like painting too or if they want to help um get involved so seeing it I think and that I think um which is really and they always light up and get really excited about that we ask them 
you know, if they've been looking at, at their mum's painting and and you know get them to talk just just to sort of say hello or say a few words to to join us and so i think you know turning like being very aware and conscious of the whole household while the class is going on i think is is super important um so i think you know what we've tried i think i would and i think sukena would agree with me we've turned anything that seemed like it could potentially be a challenge and we've turned it into a into a into a you know a silver lining and said that this is actually something that is you know it's about family it's about making art it's about you know being together as a group being together with your family and so let's kind of make this into a really you know a golden opportunity for everybody so that's i think what we've what we've been thinking about and approaching it's how we've been approaching the work and you know as a result i think it was mentioned that you know there's incredible resiliency and just generosity in in the group and there is incredible i've seen all of that incredible generosity um also you know such grace you know amongst the women they're constantly thanking us for the feedback and for the you know time we're, we're putting into working with them and you know for me it's an absolute pleasure so um you know, I'm very happy to do that, but it's just really lovely that they're they're so full of that sense of, of of of, of you know um, community and 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 joy in what they're doing. So I think I think those are the. So our goal is to turn any challenge into a a golden opportunity. Is what I would, <laughs> the way I would frame this. And I think there's so much more to unpack with all of this. I think um, you know, in terms of something. To learn, I've never, I've never worked with a, a group of, um, of, of women before that, you know, that I didn't know or hadn't, you know, working, just working online and, you know, working with a refugee program, I hadn't had that experience before. And so for me, this is, you know, teaching art in this environment is just honestly a wonderful joy. And I feel like I'm learning as, you know, as we, move through with these forward with projects I learn more and more and you know we we, we're kind of um you know designing and developing constantly um in response to everybody in the group but also in response to our own learning and our own experience so it's a very very good community experience actually can I I I should share with you, Norel, that um, I went round for, for um, a cup of tea with one of the women um, who's in the programme and we were sort of, she had canvases everywhere, vibrant, beautiful canvases of things that she had painted. And she was talking about how liberated she felt um, through through doing the programme um, and she was saying that she she has this, she said almost like creativity is sort of, been bursting to get out of her but she hasn't had an outlet for for it and until now till this program um bearing in mind that we provide the paints because there can be a sort of like economic restrictions to stopping people's creativity sometimes and uh one of the things she said to me was uh, when i moved to the u.s I was able to develop and explore my artistic side there's no judgment here and I'm free to be myself um, and it was just it's seeing her surrounded by all this amazing artworks, smiling and talking 
about the experience of the program. It was it was just superb. Wow, that that really uh, that's thrilling. <laughs> that's really thrilling. Thank you yes, for sharing thank you that. For sharing that, I absolutely believe that we as human beings, you know, we are all born creative. We have creativity within us, and it's a matter of how we get in touch with it throughout our lives. That I think really helps us transform and grow, and um, it helps us express our authentic selves. Um, and it's what helps us learn more about ourselves and others, our stories and the other stories that people have. So. Why do you think it's important to embrace that creativity through programs like RAP? And what would you say to anyone who wants to kind of get involved in this kind of work? I I would just say that, you know, that the opportunities are limitless, honestly. Um, Yeah, I do believe in, but when I'm working with the the students at at the university, you know, I, um, I want them to flourish as their own, if they're with their own voice, with their own form of expression. I'm never interested in them um, trying to research what I want or what I like or, you know, um, and I never impose that. I always, I always meet them where they are. And um, I think having learned that as a teacher and then bringing this to, um, and I've been working um, with Sukena with um, with the RAP program now for about, I'd say about a year and a half. Um, you know, I have the same, I have very similar experience that I want them to flourish and I want them to have their own voice and I want them to, um, you know, give them guidelines, but then have them break the guidelines sometimes, you know, have the color outside of the lines as it were but you know not feel that they're restricted so you know and and so when we review the work all the time you know we um look at it on the screen together as a group um they'll often upload a photograph and you know I always ask them what what is it what do you see what do you what would you like to do next is there something you'd like to do next with this and so that they have just as much input as I might have where I look, you know, listen to where they're going with, with the painting and then help them, um, you know, answer some of the questions or help them see some other things in the painting that perhaps they hadn't seen before or, you know, help sort of help them frame the work. So, um, yeah, I feel very, very connected and, um, and frankly also very impressed by the talent. There's an incredible amount of talent in this group and, that's really thrilling to see. Can I just um, just sort of add add to what what you were saying? Really, that um, for unfortunately for many cultures, there's a stigma attached to mental health. Um, it may not be acknowledged. People may have difficulty asking for help. So it's really vital to give refugee women a safe space to process emotions, which can be overwhelming. So the RAP program offers that through art and through creative expression. And what we're seeing in our women's empowerment group programs, specifically in our Afghan women's groups, is some sort of um, mental health issues tied to the fact that the withdrawal happened so quickly um, when the US troops left Afghanistan 
that um, many of, of, of the, the people that we work with had no time for psychological preparation. And there was a lot of trauma attached to the chaos uh, uh, of their, their, their flight from Afghanistan. Um, and we really see that play out in our groups. So RAP's role in offering psychological support is, is so needed um, for the women that we serve. We have around 160 women in our program, and uh, many of them are, are battling um, issues of depression, grief, uh, PTSD, all of those things. So finding a, a place to be able to stabilize themselves and express their emotions is really important. And I can imagine that RAP um, and the Women's Empowerment Group really function as homes for them for this for this sort of um, expression and processing of all that is that has happened. So when we think about home, um, our podcast is called Hometown. So one of the things we have asked our guests is what home means to them and how your perception of it may have changed as you continue to do this work of love and welcome and meeting people where they are. So I'd like to extend that question to both of you. Um, as you've been working with these amazing women, what, what does home mean to you? So for, for me, home should be a place to be safe where you are safe. Um, and I think that sort of idea of, of a place that you can catch your breath and rebalance yourself in a safe space, for me, that's that's what home represents. And that's what we want for the women that we work with to find that safe space to catch their breath and to, to rebalance themselves after everything that they have been through. That's such a great answer. Um, gosh, I, I agree 100%. Um, I think that um, home is I home is a safe space. Home is a a place where um, you can you can take a breath and allow yourself to be creative. And I think through those moments of creativity, you just end up um, deepening your sense of yourself wherever you are um in that safe space so i would that's the only thing i would add to that is the sense of like how to be how to be creative and how to have have space in your your mind you you know to make art you one has to give your give yourself some mental space like some moments where you've got time to focus on something yourself some color some paint an idea a narrative so having having that opportunity i think and making actually making room for that opportunity and allowing yourself that opportunity in my experience in the work that i do allows for uh, a deeper sense of home puts those roots down just a little bit further that's how I wish that's what I wish for for home I love that I think that's what we all wish um, 
for all of us and everyone who's who's going through these processes that really do take up most of your mental space. If you're spending most of your time in survival mode, you don't really have room um, for any of the true blossoming and flourishing that one needs to feel really at home. Thank you so much for sharing about your programs. And I'm, I'm curious, I'd like to share with our listeners, how does one get involved in, in RAP or supporting the uh, Women's Empowerment Group? Thanks for that question. Um, we always love to have um, volunteers involved with our programs. Um, one of the things uh, that it's almost impossible for refugees or asylum seekers to do is, is to meet Americans, is to meet Houstonians. And uh, being a volunteer and getting to know um, refugees is, is, is life-changing. So if you would like to get involved with the Women's Empowerment Group program, there are lots of different ways you can volunteer. Um, you can email me at ccrane, K-R-A-N-E, at imgh.org. Um, or you can go to the Volunteer Houston um, portal it's volunteerhouston all one word.org um, and that's a program of interfaith ministries and it's a portal that connects individuals and groups and companies with non-profit agencies um, and that would be a way to to register on there and we can see that you'd be interested in rap or some of the other programs and refugee services and uh, we can get you involved yes thank you for sharing that a huge part of what Neighbor to Neighbor does is community sponsorship. So, you know, we really advocate for groups of five to 10 people to come together, you know, no matter what their skill set, they are all collectively coming together for a common goal. And so I think it's really cool that everyone can bring their, their own respective gifts and talents to this work um, and be called in this way. So it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you all today. Um, thank you so much for your time and your passion and your talent. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. It's been wonderful to have an opportunity to share about the women we serve and the work we do. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for joining us for today's episode. For more resources and opportunities to get involved with Episcopal Migration Ministries, be sure to visit EpiscopalMigrationMinistries.org. You may also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are EMM Refugees. To stay up to date on all new episodes, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. This critical work in ministry would not be possible without listeners and supporters like you. To continue to support the Ministry of Welcome, you can make a gift to Episcopal Migration Ministries. With your help, We will continue to welcome and resettle refugees in communities across the country, offer support to asylum seekers, and create beloved community for all of our immigrant siblings. Visit EpiscopalMigrationMinistries.org forward slash give or text hometown to 91999. Our theme song composer is Abraham Awenda Ikondo. Find his music at abrahamawenda.bandcamp.com. Until next time, peace be with you and with all those you consider home.